Welcome to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast. The show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. And this is a very special bonus episode. Yay. You thought the season was done. You fools. You, you fools. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very special guest. We're so happy to have him back. He's been back. This is, I believe, his third time returning. Yeah. Uh, it is Hector Navarro. Hello. How is everyone? Great to see you. <laughs> Doing well. Hello. <laughs> what a way to counter our energy. <laughs> <laughs> Just coming in with a real Danny McBride. Hello there. Hi. Uh, Hi, everyone. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm just trying to counter Mark David's energy. That's all I'm here for. (laughs) Stop with the enthusiasm for such a cool thing. I love me some Hellboy. Thanks for um, letting me get back into Hellboy because now I'm going to do more deep dives of the comics and stuff. Great. I love that. So for the the listeners, of course, if they don't already know, we're going to be to this episode. We're going to be listening like we did before with you. We're going to be listening to the original score of Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, and discussing that and everything around it. But catch us up on your Hellboy reading, because the last time we spoke with you, you had just picked up those those new omnibus editions mm-hmm. that Dark Horse put out that were in chronological order. I believe the plural is omnibi. I have no oh idea. God. I have oh no God. idea. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, when, when uh, uh, I, I, I looked it up and I hung out with you guys last year, and yeah. listened to the score from the first film, the Marco Beltrami score from Hellboy 1. And uh, after that, I had, um, yeah, it was around that time where I was like, wait, what? They started putting them in these new collections. So cool. So I got the six of them. So it's like two that take place before effectively the first Hellboy comic or like the events of the first Hellboy movie kind of in comic form where he goes against Rasputin and mm-hmm. then four where it's like that chronological Hellboy working for the BPRD because I, lo- I just fell in love with the first two which are the collected short stories that just cover his history from when he was a child eating pancakes to going through and having adventures in Mexico, having a friend die and then becoming an alcoholic. All oh, he's like a teenager in the fifties or something. Like it was like so cool and fighting a bunch of creatures. And then, um, so I read those two and yeah, I have yet to read the other four, like to sit down and actually power through that Hellboy history. Uh, not even to mention the BPRD and all the spinoff stuff and the related stuff, which I was going to do another deep dive. See, I go through these phases, right? And and yeah. I know, Mark David, you asked me before we started, you're like, if you have any other movie scores that are new or old that you're into right now, let us know. And I'll, I'll save it for later, but it also has to do with like what stuff I'm watching for like my movie podcast projects, what comic books I'm reading for whatever various reason. So if I get into a movie, if I, if I revisit a film that has any kind of a comic book element to it, I just, I'm, I get all into the comic books. No joke. I just finished watching all the Shrek movies and I went and did my research and I was like, they made Shrek comics and I ordered them straight up and read them. Wow. Like that's how, don't do that. Don't pull that up. Mark David, you're in Spotify. <laughs> you're messing with me. You're pulling up the Shrek soundtrack. Get out of here, man. Hey, I, when I was a kid, I owned that soundtrack. <laughs> it's a I great, bought that soundtrack. Listen, if we could talk about Shrek for a second, Kate, don't sleep on Shrek forever after. It's my favorite of the Shrek movies. Is that the 
the fourth one the fourth one it's my favorite I think one I, I remember seeing the third one and thinking being so underwhelmed that i didn't even give the fourth one the time of day you just described every human being's experience on the planet yeah, uh, yeah. The, i i will yeah. absolutely <laughs> check it out though on your recommendation and that absolutely will. and that soundtrack is so good it's so it's awesome it's really really good but i mean shrek one and two like those though I mean, you can't you can't beat Smash Mouth. Okay, come on. Love Smash Mouth. I I was just the right age for this to be great for me. I was like, this is perfect. This song makes me feel great. Who who used this song better, Shrek or Mystery Men? The answer is Shrek. Shrek did it better. Shrek did it better. You know. I do love Mystery Men. Seriously, Mark David, can you stop playing that, please? Can you stop? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Dear God. I truly hate that song. Now you're gonna have to sync up Smash Mouth. Oh, I I've already decided. I had to pull out an Indian star. I was like, well, now I'm. It's <laughs> great. Enjoy it's that. Perfect. I saw Smash Mouth live one time. No way. I mean, in Philadelphia, uh, probably like six years ago or something like that. A friend got free tickets to see Smash Mouth. Six years um, ago? So like in 2014, yeah. you saw it Smash Mouth? Past, I'm going to say, I mean, I don't, you know, past the prime. Wow. But. They put on a show that you would that like you'd be like, this is a so- as solid a show as this could be. <laughs> it was like they knew exactly what people wanted to hear. They, they played opened like, with All Star. They they played it in the middle. Closed and they closed with All Star. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Tent pole of All Star, yep. and then yeah, there. I mean, it was just like, you know, I wouldn't have paid for it, but I had a lot of fun. It's one of the, they're so into it that they're like, all right, everybody, it's time to take a little trip to Duloc. And everyone's like, what? And they go, that's the kingdom in the first Shrek movie. Somebody. <laughs> Don't even give the audience a chance to go, oh, oh. Somebody. Somebody. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Very it's beautiful. Good. Yeah. You got that really good uh, Rufus Wainwright hallelujah version on that soundtrack too though well here's the thing here's the controversy that version is played in the movie and on the soundtrack because of legal rights issues i'm gonna pull it up right now on my little ipod which is a which is a weird quirky thing about me they put somebody else's version of that song on the soundtrack yes it's not uh rufus rain white it is let me pull it up hang on i gotta scroll through the uh, uh 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 Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, it is Rufus Rain White. No, here's the controversy. That's not the version in the movie. That's only on oh. the soundtrack. The version in the movie is by John Cale. Oh. Which weird. is which is really so they couldn't get the rights to the John Cale soundtrack or th- that version. So they have Rufus Rain White, and that's, that's so what's bizarre. on the if soundtrack. Have- yeah, not in the movie. But I'm such a psychopath that I'm the person that went and downloaded the John Cale version, as was heard in the movie, and I attached it to my Shrek soundtrack because You're I'm crazy. I'm a perfect. In fact, Joan Jett <laughs> is what we hear in the movie, right? Bad reputation, yeah. Joan Jett. Yeah. If you go back to that soundtrack, Mark David, if you go back to the Shrek soundtrack, it's yeah. not the Joan Jett version on the soundtrack it is half cocked you see that oh Oh, damn weird and it's like come on Uh, let me hear Joan Jett so of course downloaded that and attached it to the sound that's what kind of psychopath I am I'm gonna have to go on to 
I'm gonna have to follow this. Well, I mean, it's on your iPod. That's so. right. Nobody. That's I'm off the grid, baby. I that's I it. don't do Spotify. I don't because <laughs> I get, get Wi-Fi on that bad nope, boy. That's just I, like I get free. I get paranoid. I get paranoid that I would put in all the work or put together a playlist on Spotify, and then for whatever reason, Spotify would be like, "Oh, we don't have the rights to Joan Jet anymore," and like yeah, take it off. Gone. It's yeah, in the cloud. Come on. A legit concern. I'm I'm an old man like that. I'm an old man. Every time I see people complain about, oh no, they took this song off or those articles come out every month where they're like, here's what's leaving Netflix at the end of the month, <laughs> Spider-Man yeah. into the Spider-Verse. I'm like, I have that on 3D Blu-ray. Not for, me, Not for <laughs> Watch it anytime. People get sad like, oh no, I won't have access to that movie anymore. I'm like, just get out of here Fools. with that. Yeah. If you love it, buy it. That's it. I still have uh, my iPod touch and I it, I plug it in every now and then because there are certain things that just don't or just aren't on Spotify. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. And it's not even like super obscure shit. It's like sometimes just. No. I, I I mean, I'm blanking on whatever example right now. Yeah. And then, yeah. Listen. And, and some some podcasts aren't on Spotify. I got to a point in my life when I was a kid, I would, you know, we all use like uh, Napster and LimeWire and all that shit to illegally download music. But I got to a point as an adult where I was like, I can afford to pay for certain albums if I'm going to go and do, so I do it, but there yeah. will be certain songs that yeah, slip through the cracks and they're not even available to buy anywhere on the internet. And I'll go, well, somebody uploaded this to YouTube. Guess what? Bing, bang, boom. I just illegally downloaded this. I want to get taken to court. I want somebody to take <laughs> me to court. So I'm gonna be like, your honor, I will happily pay you a dollar 99 for this song, but guess what? Wasn't available online. That's not my fault. That's not my fault. I'm a, here. I am a consumer. Can't find it. Can't even, can't even find the CD on eBay, your honor. And then they would be like, get out of here, you nerd. Just pay the fine. Get out. I want, I just want to hear a judge call you a nerd. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I believe it could happen. Just setting a legal precedent of the fact that you are a nerd. It's like in the books. Can never be refuted. Stenographer's uh, like, yeah, you are. There you go. Started typing it before the judge uh -huh. said it. Like, thanks. Hey, come on. I'm on your side, though. I agree. What comic book are you currently? What was the last comic book verse that you got into that you've been listening to a score with? So I don't know why I watched the movie. I'm trying to remember what the reason was, but I just watched Conan the Barbarian with Arnold and wow. then Conan the Destroyer. I have I have the Blu-rays. And so got into it, super, super got into it again. There it is, the Anvil of Krom. Look at that. By Basil Polidorus did the score for these first two films. And they're great scores. They're super. No, this is. Is this what it is? No, this is like a, a weird arrangement. I'm commenting on what Mark David Christensen's doing on his Spotify because <laughs> he's sharing his screen with us. Um, but I think I got into this recently because they just recently had the character of Conan, like the rights went to Marvel comics and Marvel has been making new yes. Conan comics. And they even put Conan on an Avengers team called the Savage Avengers, which a bunch with a bunch of other badass characters like Wolverine and Elektra. So I was like, I need to read these That's comics. Great. This sounds insane. And so to get me into it, I was like, well, I don't have a good Conan soundtrack to listen to while reading Conan comics. I've oh, always yeah. wanted to go back and get these two soundtracks from these movies. So then I just rewatch the movies to get into it. You know, I have Arnold's accent in my head. So now I'm reading Conan so comics good. and it's like, oh, it's me, Conan. It's great. Really? And that's Jason Aaron. Is he one writing? For yeah, he's Conan? the one doing Conan the Barbarian. And um, they did some other like miniseries and different things. So it's interesting because I, I watched these movies with my roommate, my buddy Keller. 
and he couldn't get into them. You know, they're from 1982 and 84 and they're not for everybody. And that first movie's they're a little, the first one's a little slow, but I think it's, it's got so many good lines. Absolutely. I, like I, I forgive it. Like, and it's also tough to ask people to, cause I was like, Hey man, come watch this with me. And like, maybe you'll like it. It's tough to ask yeah. people to get into like really problematic stuff and Conan yeah, the Barbarian's like really sexist and racist and, you know, yeah. the stuff that's yeah. unavoidable. So, so he, like we were having that conversation about it. We watched it because we also watched it because, um, uh, it's, uh, uh, we did it as a bonus episode for our movie podcast, Conan the Barbarian. Anyway, the discussion we had was like, you know, does this stuff, do we need stuff like this? Like, you know, what's appropriate and what's not blah, 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 blah. And then I told him, I'm like, honestly, dude, the best version of Conan might be in comic books because, They've been mostly like not rated R. They've been mostly confined to like a PG-13 kind of rating. They they took World. these old these old books that were definitely um, R-rated and for adults and stuff, the Robert E. Howard novels. And in the 70s and 80s and 90s and up to now, anytime there's been Conan comic books, they don't, they tend to not go as hardcore. So I was telling my buddy, I'm like, maybe you could try some Conan comics. Cause that's how I first got into Conan. When I was at so many people first get into that character through those comics and yeah. they're like, they're right on the edge of like, Oh, this is cool. And it's, it's, it's savage and it's a barbarian and it's cool sorcery and swords and adventures, but it doesn't get as like, okay. As, as it's less like yeah. less about the lamentation of the women. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah. And to take a character like Conan and to kind of, force that round peg into the square hole that is Marvel and be like, yeah. you kind of have to be all ages now, but don't lose your edge. It's interesting. It's, you know, I, I'm not opposed to it necessarily. I don't, I don't, I don't see it as like story censorship. I see it as like, but do you really need all that other stuff? Just You're making the character evolve a little bit. Yeah. It's not, not the worst like, thing in the It's world. like Wolverine. He's like Wolverine, you know, I don't, you know. Yeah. Oh, listen to that. This Just is clanging, metal clanging. That's it. Anvil of Krom. <laughs> this is great. And is this, what is this like? I don't think this is the original recording. Is this somebody else doing a cover of it? I think it must be from the movie itself because this is just, I just grabbed a, a track from a, an album called Cinema Century wow. Musical Celebrations of a Year. Because all the other Conan stuff was unclear what it was. This makes me want to lift weights. As it should. As it should, yes. <laughs> I think I'm going to add it to my workout mix, yeah. It makes me want to, like, push a wheel around or whatever yes. the fuck he's doing. The wheel of pain. Yeah, yeah the, <laughs> the wheel of pain. And then when you relax, you're on the tree of woe. Oh. <laughs> I like it. I think it's very good. It's fun. Here's about to get good. Oh, you pause oh, it right it before it's about to get good. Ah, oh, dang it. Listen. Hey, just keep talking over it and we can have it all. Now I'm on a mountaintop. That's what I'm saying. The sweeping oh. score. It's gorgeous. It's great. Yeah. It's very good. Good when, track. When you want fantasy music that's not as good as Lord of the Rings, but still cool, you yeah. go with Conan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's a fun one. That's what this is what I've been listening to, and that's what I've added to my iPod, and these are the comics that I've been reading. But now it's going to be, I'm going to be back in Hellboy mode, baby. I love Excited that. Excited for yeah. you. Uh, before we move on to the Hellboy, uh, I have. Do you have any score or any music you've been listening to, Kate? A score that you want to like, that you love? A score? I mean, around here it's been all Christmas music. Jessica mm. likes Christmas. She <laughs> says Merry Christmas all year. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, we'll be 
hanging out in July and she'll just we'll, we'll just be watching any movie on the couch and she'll go Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> like she'll start like getting into it in a way that I like She's like you don't even like Christmas. I'm like I just don't like it the way that you like it. Cuz I don't know anybody else who likes it like her family has a tree in every room of their house including the bathroom. That's wow. how like this family likes Christmas w- to if- a degree where it's like this is like a movie family that would like Christmas. <laughs> you know? Like okay. I've never seen anybody like Christmas wow. like this. Well, you know um, what's you know what's great is Hellboy yeah. 2 is a Christmas movie. It technically it, opens. It is. Opens with Christmas. On a Christmas story. There yeah. you go. There you go. Getting this uh it's like uh, you know, it's just all that. So we've been doing like Boris Karlov, like mm-hmm. Grinch and like uh, um always singing Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh that's like a year round kind of situation, but it's really ramping up recently. <laughs> we've already watched these movies. We've already seen we've we watched them already. We're like, we got oh yeah, Home Alone. We already watched I Home Alone. This, I think Home Alone has probably one of the most iconic tracks. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. for Christmas. Oh, I yeah. love like the silly version that's been going around for a couple of years now of like somebody playing it on a recorder and like they'll it's like on Instagram and shit or like TikTok they'll like play it over somebody doing something poorly <laughs> and it just is <laughs> really fun. Funny. I don't know how you could possibly search what I just described yeah, but that's um, hilarious. This is It's beautiful. This is this is one of the best Christmas scores and it oh look at that little piece. Dun, 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 dun. It's so mischievous. Uh, the, it's the, magical and a little dangerous. It's like yes, a li- mischievous yes. is right. Um, I know Mark David and I, we've had this conversation, but I, I'm a big fan of the John Williams scores for the sequel trilogy of Star Wars. And I think that Ray's theme reminds me of the Home Alone music. His oh, new, his, yes. like her theme, which is also has that mischievous sort of feeling to it. Um, yeah. Uh, it always makes me think of Home Alone because it's the same guy. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, you're 100 right. Same bag and of we, tricks. The last time we did this in this new scores, we played that that yep. the raised theme. Yep. Um, yes, I agree. I think his scores were some of his best work on that, and those yeah. were especially since the the, the last movie to me was garbage. <laughs> his score is probably the only thing redeeming. About yeah. It. Yeah. Also, it's just nice that Billy D has work. I don't know. There's a lot of there's yeah, a lot of yeah. <laughs> good True, for him. But they, they could have done better with him. It just makes me sad. That, thinking yeah. about that movie makes me so sad. How yeah. much a um, studio can change their movie based on mean people on Twitter. I know. I know. It makes me. I know. So angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, a real bummer. Yeah. yeah. Well, it JJ sucks. too. I think was a big. It, proponent if you if you ever want to get really angry about that movie you already are angry about it watch the behind on disney plus watch the behind the scenes doc about making it it will just make you more angry did jj abrams (laughs) contribute to the like was he like pushing for the changes or like oh he i mean if you uh, uh, this is my own theory watching like him and the uh, the the writer of it um talk about it one will it just sort of made me angry about their choices yeah. But I really do feel like he came in and he decided to ignore Jedi completely almost. Mm-hmm. He only took like sort of like some cool visual elements that I think that Ryan Johnson established to yeah. use. But essentially he just came back and was like, well, I just want to continue what I wanted to do anyway. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. just like, cool. Um, 
then why did you guys take two years off and let this dude make this thing? Like, why not step in when he turned in his script and go, um, actually let's do something different. Like they stepped in with Colin Trevorrow, like they fired the guy, like they, they, (laughs) they, they, so that's, that's the frustrating thing to me too, is that at the very least, yes, of course, ideally I would have liked for the st- the decisions made in the last Jedi, which is my favorite Star Wars movie, to like really be honored and to 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 have that follow through. But if that wasn't the way it was going to go from the beginning, then I'm mad that they hired Ryan Johnson to begin with. Do you know what I mean? I'm mad that yeah. I'm like I'm like why not just do all three? Why are you uh, you know you guys were like pretending? It's the same thing with like I don't like the Zack Snyder. DC movies that he's done. I don't like his yeah. creative choices and and the storytelling decisions, but I'm also upset that like if you guys were going to freak out when he when his movie came out where Batman killed people and he wanted to fight Superman and kill him and so and you guys were freaked out that people didn't respond to that, why did you hire this dude to begin with and be like, "Yeah, you can do three movies. Yeah, you can do another movie yeah. after this." Like, don't do that. Don't like do huge that. Huge contracts, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm crazy. with you 100% on that. It's like yeah. they sat down and pitched and you were there for the process mm-hmm. of them developing their vision. And and I remember that behind the scenes for The Last Jedi, which was J.J. Abrams, he's really good at doing press and stuff. He's really good. He knows what to say and kind of like a Kevin Feige. Like they always know the right thing to say, even if they're asked like a hardball question. And somebody somewhere asked him, asked J.J. Abrams what he thought about it. And he was like, oh, I, he goes, I thought it was so great. My thing was like, I'm upset that I don't get to direct it. So it's like, okay, you're full of crap then, because if you, if you really did feel like that, you know, which is, it just feels like a very kind of a press sort of a, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a big bummer all the way across, but the music is great. (laughs) It is great. And and to add to that real quick though, I think that's the most disappointing part is that a director who's supposed to be at the top of their game or top of the industry couldn't and he couldn't actually do the job well because he couldn't take what he got handed and go, okay, what do we build for now for this right. off of this? Right. He just was like, uh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, then you're not good at your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you couldn't even accept the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Weird. It's a, it's a bummer. And like Kate said, it, 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 if it, if it's not actually what happened, it certainly feels like they reacted to the internet which you should not do. And I've also heard rumors that they know definitely specifically reacted to the internet because they, they, they saw those angry people online reacting to the last Jedi. And, um, that even like Bob Iger stepped in, like the CEO of Disney stepped in to like, you know, control some story stuff that was happening or stuff like that. Those kinds of rumors that I've heard. And I'm like, that's a bummer. That's a real bummer. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, good for John Boyega, like sort of calling their bullshit out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally fair. Totally fair. Um, yeah, I, I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, even though that last one was real bad, uh, uh, I've said those three movies are still my sort of that's how I kind of got into Star Wars. And I really care about those characters. And when I've heard real valid criticisms from people who don't like The Last Jedi and they go, well, some of the characters of color Poe and Finn and stuff like that were kind of shot to the side. I go, okay, I hear that. And, and it's valid. And I'm not saying you're not uh, right. Uh, I love the addition of Kelly Marie Tran. I think her character is fantastic. And I feel that even though those three movies are flawed, 
to me, the original Star Wars movies are flawed too and have lots yeah. of, oh, yeah. you know, have lots of these gaping holes in logic and story and stuff that's never fleshed out. But in the 40 years since, man, there's been comic books and novels and, you know, so I'm hoping that an, an, other great storytellers can come along and do comic books that explain that stuff and make it awesome. They can yeah. do a novel that can go, oh my God, actually the Rise of Skywalker was just made better because I read this novel. You know, somebody had a cool take on on something and it and it and it made it make more sense to me. Which I, I love that. Which is what Star Wars has been doing since the beginning. <laughs> That's very optimistic and, and a great way to look at that. <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah, Last Jedi is fucking awesome. Like, it just it's such a disservice to the to what they set up. Yeah. They set up such cool shit, and yeah. it's just such a bummer. I didn't like the prequels. Oh. Lots of people defend the prequels, and I liked the cartoons that were sandwiched in between the prequels. That, sure. that you know, that at least some interesting storytelling was happening in there. And I went, okay, yeah, totally valid. I'll take that. Like, this is a good episode of this cartoon that I watched, you know. It's in, yeah, you, like, get to watch Clone yeah. Wars even if yeah. you hate like yeah. some of the prequels. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Like, I don't like this resurgence of like people trying to claim that the, like reclaim the prequels for being like genius. I'm like, no, 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 no. no They're no, not no. genius. <laughs> they have the first like a, one's watchable <laughs> and fun. <laughs> They're so um, hard though. They're so hard. And yeah. as much as everybody tries to, for me, put revenge of the Sith up there, I'm like, the movie is the movie. They just haven't seen it in a while. I think good. if, if right. you're making that argument, do, what they do to uh, Padme or whatever, her yeah. actual yeah. Amidala is like so terrible. Yeah, she went from being like, I'm going to sneak out of my royal chamber and like yep. go into the street and do all this cool shit to being like, I'm pregnant. I got to quit the Senate. I got to go. <laughs> you're pre- oh, you're breaking my bummer. heart, Andy. You're breaking my heart. I, it's my killing heart. me for real. <laughs> I, I died fuck. of a broken heart. Yeah. <laughs> <It just> sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... That's this is this is I love yeah, this. Yeah, Star. Oh, it's <laughs> always fun Star to go Wars. on a Star Wars tangent. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to. to I mean, to tie yeah, it back please. in another soundtrack, of course, that we're listening to is "The Nightmare Before Christmas," mm. which is also Danny Elfman composing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, we're always watching that. Jess also can sing every word to that song. When we were driving across the country. I had that soundtrack on CD, and we were kind of like we went from Philadelphia to Los Angeles. We got to like. Texas and I went through a lot of my CDs already by then and I just picked it up and I was like I hope she likes Nightmare Before Christmas I don't know if she does like this <laughs> at this point I didn't realize how much her family liked Christmas or any of shit I she, put it she in was and hiding she starts, it from you she was hiding dude, it from you she, if she was hiding it then she just like fully revealed herself in that moment it was like seeing a vampire had no reflection it was like oh you like christmas like i put it in and she was doing like the voices and going like high and low and like every every little bit she knew i was like oh like she could sing it from like every single word from memory it's uh, freaking adorable. Love it. I like these. I like these things. In case that wasn't evident, I don't want to seem like I'm complaining that Jess likes Christmas. This is a yeah, this bit is of great. Christmas Eve montage, so it just should be full score. And we saw them perform this at the Hollywood Bowl a couple of years ago, wow. and it was the shit. It was so cool. Like Catherine O'Hara was there. At, oh, wow. Like Whoa. Paul Rubens was there. Like there, uh, of course, Danny Elfman and like. They played the movie and then during the like musical parts, they would have the orchestra play. And it was so good, dude. It was like one of the coolest things I ever saw there. 
That's amazing. Oh, this is great. Well, this has got to be like one of... This is like so Elfman-esque, yeah. like this like honking, this yeah. like sort of like... I'm not like musically trained. I don't know how to describe what I'm listening to at this point, but Honking you know. is good. I'm sure Danny Elfman would approve of that. Yeah. yeah. The honks and bonks of Danny Elfman. <laughs> I think I've seen a couple of interviews where he's like, I like to add a lot of honks. <laughs> and some bonks. <laughs> I'm weird. I'm Danny Elfman. <laughs> I, I mean, I bet it says that somewhere on like his, one of his, you know, uh, his profile yeah. says that it's somewhere. It's in the liner notes. I'm weird. <laughs> yeah, right there, right there at the bottom. It says bonk reprise. Yeah, it's or is it reprisey? It's Either there. way. It's a bonk reprise. Reprise I think it's bonk reprise (laughs) (laughs) This has got to be one of Danny Elfman's best scores, though. Like, best. uh, Yeah, it's up there. It's It's a killer. Can I I make a confession? I just realized it's Catherine O'Hara that did Sally, and I I never knew that. Because I uh, I just never priorly looked at the cast. I think I've just watched it. Sure, the voice actors. Yeah, I think people think also Danny Elfman voiced Jack Skellington, but he was his singing voice. Right. And it was another actor who... It was uh, Sarandon, was uh, David yeah. Sarandon, or whatever, uh, yeah. Susan Sarandon's brother, right? Oh, yeah, wow. I think you're right. Chris? Chris Sarandon, Chris Sarandon that's it. from Princess yeah. Bride, I think? Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. awesome. Yeah. Ooh. Who also crushes it. I mean, everybody yeah. just, that movie's so, so good. This is a great movie. You're making me, I'm going to, I got to. I mean, this is warming us up for what we're about to to watch or listen to, not watch. Yeah. But made me want to watch Nightmare Before Christmas. Watch with our ears. <laughs> watch with our ears. You know, with that said, I think we should get to it. <laughs> yeah, let's hop, let's hop into this. Uh, we're going to be listening to the full uh, the album of the Hellboy 2, the Golden Army original soundtrack by himself, Danny Elfman, Mr. 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 Uh, Bonk. <laughs> Mr. Honk and Bonk himself. Uh, great. Here we go. Oingo Boingo is exactly the sound of music that Danny Elfman yes. makes. Oingo Boingo 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 Oingo 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 Boingo Boingo. It's the perfect name for the band that he's in. His bandmates were like, "Hey man, I think you should maybe do some some scores because he's got a little." They did the music first, and then they were like, "This should be the name of our band." All right, here we go. Here's the introduction track beginning this score. And is the volume all right for you two? Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing it. Yeah. Haunting. It is. And this is, is this when they're pulling in on the Christmas decorations? I'm trying to. It might be. It looks like this is going to be that whole sort of opening with the. Christmassy stuff. Yeah. And probably into the story of the actual Golden Army, I'm assuming. Yes. There you go. That feels like Golden Army's Golden Army mm-hmm. strength. Yeah, tromping around. Yeah. Oh, we're on the run. We're on the run for the Golden Army. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Elfman for me is a composer who is very hit and very miss sometimes. He's very up and down for me versus somebody who's like, for example, a Michael Giacchino. I mostly like all of Michael Giacchino stuff. Um, the thing about Danny Elfman is I feel like he is 
really perfectly suited for the Hellboy world, or at least the Guillermo del Toro version of the character. Yeah. My thing yeah. is, I rewatched Hellboy 2 last night, and I can't remember any pieces of the score really jumping out, the, or like any specific themes, the way that Marco Beltrami's did for the first movie. So when we're listening to this, that's what I'm going to be listening for, is I'm going to be sort of checking to see if, if something really speaks to me in that way, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think like you were kind of saying earlier, I think that the... The um, wait, David's like a smidge loud for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll lower it. Just okay. There I've we go. I've been trying okay. to slowly uh, lower it. it. It was like you were saying earlier, Hector. Like the the one song that really stands out in this movie isn't on the soundtrack. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? You're right about that. I yeah, because we watched but, it recently as well, and I don't think the score ever really popped out, other than maybe a couple of moments of like where the movie slowed down to let it look beautiful. You know. Correct, correct. I guess it does its job in that way and that it's not like distracting, but Mm -hmm. it's also like, it's never like so moving that I'm like, wow, damn, this Mm -hmm. is like hitting me so hard. It's tough, right? It's tough because we don't want it to be distracting, but also we want the movie to have those moments where the movie and the scenes in the movie and the characters and the story is allowing the music to be a highlight is allowing the score like it all like the movie pauses and just goes but listen to this for a second like Danny Elfman's gonna move you with this and the movie itself maybe it's the movie it's the editing the pacing Um, maybe the movie doesn't allow for those kinds of breaths or those kinds of moments I don't know yeah. yeah, it is sort of like, I think you're yeah. right, the pace sort of does once, I feel once you get past the opening scene, which is essentially young Hellboy learning about the Golden Army, which is just set up so you understand the world you're in, it does sort of just keep going, right? There's not, other than like maybe a couple of dramatic moments for the elves, mm-hmm. as well as the, when the, uh, the forest god dies... You mm-hmm. sort of the movie just keeps going. It doesn't really stop. Mm-hmm. So you're, I think you're right. Or the part we're talking about with that with that highlight of a song, where Hellboy and Abe get drunk, yes. and it's like that's the that's where the movie pauses. And I think it's my favorite sequence in the film is because it's really just hey, let's just spend some time with these characters, and you you love those characters. Yeah. Um, but it's not a real like score moment, you know, score sequence. Yeah, they didn't bring. So we're now in uh, the track Hellboy two titles. It's interesting. Yeah. They didn't bring back 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 that uh, Hellboy one baseline. <laughs> yeah, it usually bothers me when sequels don't do that. Usually, um, I think uh, an exception to that is is some sequels in the Marvel Cinematic Universe don't bring back themes, but they try to do like a better version of the theme. Like I like the, the, the Brian Tyler score for Iron Man three. I like those themes, but it would have been cool if they did bring back the, the theme from the first Iron Man movie and brought yeah, it in yeah. every single, like it's, it's frustrating when that continuity isn't there, you know? I, I, I agree with you. I do like this. This is very much like nightmare before Christmas S the movement and the, the, the rhythm that uh, Danny Elfman's playing with these titles. Yeah. <laughs> and it's definitely, this is all over those moving, uh, the crank yeah, gears. gears and stuff, formulating the title. So I think it's a solid little title sequence score. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Training. Oh. Oh, neat. You can hear the Rhodesian fighting sticks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they used in the, I don't know, Clacking. made that up. 
Got lots of honks and bonks and clacks. <laughs> lots of clacks in the training. Clacking, you know, kendo swords together. Mm-hmm. So already I can tell you guys that because I have the first Hellboy score on my iPod. I'm going to get the second one, the Danny Elfman one, and put them together in a playlist. Already, when I'm reading Hellboy comics, I feel like the Marco Beltrami stuff is going to fit Hellboy comics better because just it's yeah. the tone. And when I get to a Danny Elfman track, it's going to be like, oh boy, I, uh, this is, <laughs> I, better, I better hope to be in an action sequence because this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 is, it, it tends to be like a little more... Uh, with a lack of a better term, like Mickey Mousing, which is a term where like the music matches almost the movement exactly. This yes. feels like that. It's like, oh, this is that guy training. This so it can only go with that sequence. Versus Correct. like, oh, they've created a score and then now like the image and the score are creating something new. I think Danny Elfman's work is like that. I think Danny Elfman is very good at scoring for what's happening in the film, which is there's pluses and minuses to that, right? Yeah, yeah you can't you can't listen. It's not as not rewatchable, but re-listenable. You can't just kind of isolate the score and be driving around and listening to it in your car. It's it really does kind of need sometimes the visual to go with it, as opposed to like I think it's fun when a composer is brought on early enough like Tyler Bates did the scores for the Guardians of the Galaxy films and James Gunn had him come on and write the theme and some of the music before they were even shooting yeah. and then they would play that theme right before they would shoot a scene you know on the wow. set for Guardians of the Galaxy to get everybody kind of into the headspace of like okay here's what's going to be happening this is the theme right you know and that's cool too because it's that you get yeah. a different it's just a different style of, of movie that's Awesome. music of film music but Danny Elfman he's somebody who dude time and time again he's come in kind of at the 11th hour to like score a movie at the last second fix a movie another, you know another composer's not working Brian Tyler was doing the second Avengers movie and I think they brought in Danny Elfman like halfway through and they're like you can you guys each just split this movie Danny Elfman was brought in to do the Justice League theatrical movie whatever oh, that wow. was and because they didn't want to do because wow. like apparently junkie xl had a score already in place but you know they re-edited the movie to do a new version to put out in theaters for justice league and danny elfman came in and did his thing but then danny elfman brought his batman theme from 1989 wow. and put it in the ben affleck version of, and it's this weird frankenstein the whole movie Whoa. is this weird frankensteinian thing but you know somebody was asking him in an interview once like did you use any of hans zimmer like the Batman theme from Batman versus Superman that came out the year before. And Danny Elfman flat out was like, there's only ever been one Batman theme. And he was referring to his own. <laughs> so it was like, okay, dude. So he's like, so yes, I use the Batman theme. And it's like, okay, wow. Nobody told Danny Elfman not to do that because he's Danny Elfman. And he even used some of the John Williams Superman theme. Which also was not the Hans Zimmer Man of Steel. He yeah. used some of that when Superman came back from the dead and he was all evil yeah. and he like t inverted it and twisted it and made it upside down and he was very he kind of pleased with that. So, you know, Danny Elfman is, is, is I think he's so prolific because I think he can just get it done, you yeah. know, but yeah. maybe we're left with less memorable Danny Elfman themes or pieces of music. I don't yeah. know. If I was in that in that room when he said that, about the only being one Batman, I'd be like, uh, you're referring to that one, right, Danny? The 1966 Batman out of here, security. 
so funny. Carry this man you out here. easily carry uh, me Hector, out. I gotta ask you what generation iPod you have. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have the, the last one before they stopped. Whatever generation awesome. that is. So awesome. I, I how had... How many gigs of, of space... How much storage space is on this battery? Let me look at it. Let know? me look it up. Let me look it up. Let me go to the settings. Oh, yeah. It'll say in the settings. Let me look at Let me look at the settings. Here. Let's see. Um, this poor iPod. It's always like, you want me to connect to the internet? And I'm like, no. You're on airplane mode. <laughs> no, always. <laughs> always on airplane We're mode. We're off the grid, buddy. Do you want, me to, you want to back this up? No. I'm not doing anything. Never. <laughs> okay. You are my backup. Yeah. Let's see. I think I go to... on right now with this hallway cruise line. Hallway Crap. cruise. Is this where the the like the kind of Men in Black part? Yes, where he's walking yes, down the I think so. And like, yeah. Uh, I remember the day my iPod so. broke. I was walking out of this the house I used to live in in LA. Devastating. It, it, I literally <sighs> listened to the like because it was an earlier one that had still like the disc inside of it. Yeah. And I yeah. lived off of it. And I remember I think I dropped it slightly on the on like the porch, and then I picked it up, pushed play again, and then I heard it go. And I was like, oh, that's so no. sad. So sad. <laughs> so sad. It's a sad story to tell to a theremin playing, <laughs> which is really <laughs> So my iPod is, uh, I don't know what model it is, but I have, it's 128 gigs and I have right. 80 gigs available. So, and I'm not worried, okay. I'm not worried about this breaking because if it breaks, it will break and I will go to eBay and find another because I have backed up all of this music on another terabyte hard drive, external hard drive. I'm such oh, a yeah. dork. Before I put any music on here, I put it on that hard drive. Then I put it on Smart. the iPod. Because you don't want to have this heartbreaking story uh, that Dave just told. Where I lose all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's also really want to point out Danny Elfman did the score for Men in Black, which is another one of my favorite Danny Elfman scores. It's, a good one. it's amazing and it's perfect. And it's it probably another reason that they got him for this because the BPRD cinematically at least could you could draw a lot of comparisons to the MIB to the Men in Black, Absolutely. you know, funny yeah. vibe. I, 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 yeah, it was it was similar to that in Hellboy Two. They're walking through the thing, and instead of like the aliens drinking coffee, there's some big creature, and yeah. uh, what's his name asks Abe, "What's what's wrong with him?" And he's like, "It's Friday," and then they keep going. I'm like. Okay, it's a little Men in Black same vibe. humor. Very much the same. I liked vibe. it. Yeah. I like it. They're absolutely going for that. I think. Uh, I think it's it just must have been. It was such like a huge movie. Like I'm sure it just influenced kind of like sci-fi or fantasy movies for years after yeah, that. Yeah, I mean the first mm-hmm. Men in Black is still solid. Still love works. the first Men in Black, dude. So um, I good. love the villain. The Vin- Vincent D- D'Onofrio uh, villain is so good. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's awesome. He's so perfectly weird and great. I'm a huge fan. That and the Cell. He's like such a good bad guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I haven't seen The Cell. I should watch that. Dude, you should totally yeah. watch The Cell. It's a fucking it crazy a weird movie. Yeah. It doesn't hold up. I really liked the visuals um, are great. Yeah. What's the, the that director also did um The Fall, yes. which I really liked. Yeah. Beautiful film. Didn't you you just Oh no, you said The Fountain. Mm-hmm. Never mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, was, <laughs> I was like we were just that's talking the, about that. That's the no. sequel, The Fall into the Fountain. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third part is the then movie Splash. is Splash, exactly, with Tom yeah. Hanks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is how it works. Oh boy. <laughs> now this feels a little closer to we're listening to Where Fairies Dwell. Feels a little closer to to like Hellboy music uh, that would match the Hellboy yeah. comics, you know. That's another weird requirement that I check with my movie scores is I'm like, well, is it going to match the comic book associated with that movie score? Uh, that's 
a, a, a weird thing I always have to... Do you have a list of criteria um, that you have to check yeah. off for each track? That's that's one of them in there. That's one of them in there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Well, I write. When I write, I listen to scores. I think I've said that before. And it, like right now I'm trying to write an animated pilot, finish an animated pilot, and I listen to Grand Budapest um, soundtrack because nice. it's a little more lively. Nice. A little more like that energy is a little up. And as well as like I'll do Mr. Fantastic Mr. Fox. I try Great. to do those Great. because they just they have a little life to them that makes me feel like I'm writing animation. Mm -hmm. But then um, if I switch over, it depends. Like I was recently doing like an outline for something that was more sci-fi. So I'll find like a score that like makes me feel like I'll listen to mm -hmm. uh, Under the Skin. I'll listen to that score mm. as well as uh, that. that uh, what's her, I can't think of her name that does right off the top of my head. But she did a score for a movie called Monos that I love as well. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, a movie from South America, I forget, maybe it's Colombian. It's cool. one of my favorite movies of last year. Un Is that Spanish for like monsters or, or creatures? Monkeys, I think, maybe? M yeah, I think you're right. Monos, and yeah. Like, if you watch the movie, you'll understand like why it's that. And it, it's, I love that oh, movie. If you cool. haven't seen that movie, I would highly suggest it. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think it should have gotten better. It should have been up for like at least best international. Even though Parasite was bound to win, it should have still been up. Excuse me. Bless you. Sneezing through the score. This, this uh, piece of score also the same track where fairies dwell. It uh, uh, salute by the way twice. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh, Elfman Spider-Man stuff. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. The, this the big this big this big sweeping section is like a Doctor Octopus theme or you know Green Goblin because it has that little spidery stuff happening in the background. Absolutely, yeah. Super high stakes. I guess that's the same thing. Like, he's like thinking fairies. Like, mm -hmm. there's so many like it's like big, sweeping, stepping kind of creatures. Big like practical mm -hmm. creatures walking with like little CG fairies flitting around. It's very much like. It's very much what that brings to mind. This track is called Teleplasty. I'm trying to think where would this. What? It must have been when they're wearing. Is that when they're wearing the like contraptions that allow I don't them to this yet, see? Because we're not to the troll market. And it might also be. Um, uh, uh, I mean that. What, what was his name? Uh, Krauss's um, theme. Oh, this might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the what's the character's Johann name? Krauss. Johann Krauss. Johann yeah. Krauss. This I think this is his theme. And it feels very 50s B-movie. Yeah. Like, it feels like Danny Elfman's totally. having some fun with and this. also, the chimes I, in it I, sounds I, like, to me, the, yeah. the soundtrack for Batman uh, Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Go on, I think, I bet Guillermo del Toro, because he's so, I mean, he, like, literally puts these universal monsters in this movie. I bet he, I bet that's, like, what he said to Danny Elfman. He's like, this yeah. is my, this is as close to a creature as I'm going to do until he does closer to the creature later. Yeah, yeah. But like, I bet he was like, yeah, make it, make it like that. Like, it makes me wonder how closely the director could mm -hmm. influence, especially like somebody like Danny Elfman, who's been doing it for so long with mm -hmm. like such success. I wonder like how much input he takes from the director or, or if he just like, if they just like let him loose or something. I, I, I'm interested in that too and I bet it's different for each project right. and yeah. I know that I've heard Danny Elfman talk about 
scoring stuff. Maybe whenever I see a little commercial for his masterclass on YouTube or whatever, it's Danny. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm Danny Elfman and this is my masterclass. Well, I have masterclass <laughs> until April, so I should yeah. watch it and tell you guys. Ooh, he, I feel as though he said, th- you know, similar things that a lot of composers say where it's like, it's my job to come in and, and figure out what the director wants, what it, th- that director wants to feel in the scene. And then I have to find musically what that is. And I feel like I've heard Elfman say something similar, even though I was relating that story about him being like, there's only one Batman theme. I'm like, I'm sure he has an ego for sure. This track right now that we're listening to is when uh, Johan arrived. It had like that soaring thing. Gotcha. It's very German. And also these could be, uh, it bugs me when this happens too, but I sometimes understand it. These also could be out of order chronologically to the film. So maybe tele, maybe teleplasty is teleplasty is, uh, which is track seven takes place after Mein Herring, which is track eight. But maybe they swapped it for whatever reason. I don't know. Very true. They do that a lot on sometimes these scores. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm I'm assuming this is when the elf prince goes and kills his father. This is what I'm. I th- Ooh, I think you might be right, because you hear those Escrima sticks, <laughs> <laughs> those kendo sticks. Yeah. Yeah. I hear those like kendo sticks. There's, uh, you know, you you have a Danny Elfman orchestra and there's just a dude in the back with two wooden sticks, like. Clacking him. <laughs> He's like down in a tunnel. He's in a wet tunnel clacking He's so sticks happy. together. <laughs> <laughs> but he loves it. Oh, that tragedy. Yeah, see now, I think this might be, this to me feels more Guillermo, right? I think you guys are right. I think, I think this might be Guillermo del Toro telling Danny like, you know, listen, Danny, you can do whatever you want for the movie, but anytime we get to the elves and the high elves, it has to feel like a dark fantasy, like a dark fairy tale for adults. And he's like, okay, sure, you got it. You got it, man. Can do. Boing, spring. Yeah. No, 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 Danny. Too many no. bogs. Too many. <laughs> too many bogs wow. and hawks. I want it to feel like you read a fairy tale and you cry, you know? So beautiful. You want it to feel like a monster, but you want to make love to the monster. <laughs> what? But when they're fighting, you can do the big... Believe me, people are going to love it. Yes. going to win Best Picture, I tell you. <laughs> I'm going to win awards for that idea. <laughs> I mean, we're joking, but I, I love Shape of Water. I think it's, it's great. It's great. <laughs> Huge fan of it. I'm, and it just makes me so happy for him that he got to finally just straight up make yeah. that fucking movie. I know. Because he had to be, you know, I'm sure Abe was very fun and like mm-hmm. like these two movies was, were probably so fun for him to do. Mm-hmm. But really, like, it's nice that he got to really <laughs> complete his vision yep. about this creature because he is just fucking obsessed, yeah. man. Yep. Just a completely removed, you know... Uh, from the not that I'm super precious about Hellboy mythology or whatever, but I know Mark, Dave, and I have had this conversation for years now of like, it, are these two Guillermo movies the best representation of what the comics are? The answer is no. They're great, yeah. you know, sort of like beautiful and interesting looking superhero kind of comic booky kind of formulaic movies. And they're they're in that category yes. they stand out. When you compare them with other movies like that, they stand yeah. out and they're cool and they should be, uh, you know, sort of appreciated for that reason. But um, yeah, it's like Guillermo actually went to go do the thing of like I just want to make the movie where the fish guy fucks. Okay, <laughs> that's the movie I want. And he would never be allowed to sort of do that in this 
uh, in these yeah. two movies. At most, yeah. he got to flirt with that princess. Yeah. That was really the most yeah. that he probably was allowed to do. And it, but uh, I, agree, yeah. I agree totally as far as like, where the echelon of like superhero movies where these two stand. I really, really like them. They're so enjoyable. It almost makes me, I compare them to like, um, a Blade sequel or like Constantine or yeah. something. Like yeah. they're all in the same, you know, supermarket DVD basket for <laughs> me. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, they're not, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're not gonna maybe necessarily win all the awards, but they're so fun to watch still. Yeah, and, yeah, and I will always say, yeah. regardless of its representation and that I will gripe about on Hellboy and all that, it, there, Guillermo's designs will always make me, like there's always at least one or two designs for his movie that I'm like, that is cool as hell. Yeah. No one else could come up with that except for that weirdo. I got that movie art book, oh, Dave. Got I, got the, the, I got the art books for for all three of them. Whoa. I only received one so far uh, and it's really cool. But Wait, which three? All three of what? The first two Del Toro Hellboys and the 2019 Whoa. Hellboy movie. Even though I was not a fan of it, I was like, it was $7 on eBay and I was like, I'm buying this. I just want to see great. what- That's great. I want to see what this looks like. Cause there were um, artistic things about yeah. The 2019 movie that I yeah. was like, oh, that's so fucking cool looking. I don't know if we um, if we've yeah. talked since I last since we last talked, uh, but I, I I saw it. I saw the 2019. Did we I talk about that last time? No, no. Go ahead. What'd you think? <laughs> that movie was very bad. <laughs> so bad. But so so bad. It, it, guys, having just read the um the Hellboy short stories and the ones where he goes to Mexico and befriends mm -hmm. that like luchador and then he has to fight like a you know a vampire thing the fact that the new Hellboy with David Harbour opened with that I went oh my god am I gonna love this movie is this good right. this is this is it this is pure Hellboy baby to. and then no and it got it was yeah. just yeah such and a such a big bummer they're just trying to cram so much I mean we've yeah. gone on this podcast and talked about this but yeah they just tried to like do too much and it all ends up getting kind of diluted in the, you yeah. know, it's like everything's it's, yeah. it's just oversaturated with stories. And yep. to, sim to simplify, it would have been so nice. And the, it's the same thing with other sort of comic book movies where a previous iteration will have done it not great, but well enough that yeah. to differentiate means you got to even deviate further. And it's like, well, you guys are kind of missing the point. You know, the, these right. first two Guillermo's were able to do certain things about Hellboy well enough, even including like the look of the character, the, the makeup for Ron Perlman that I'm like, yeah. the decisions you guys are making with David Harbour's look are just to differentiate it from the first two, which yeah. is like, you guys are already off to a bad start. If you can't, yeah. if you can't continue what previous iterations did just because, oh, we got to be different. We got to be different. It's like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies influenced in a kind of negative way, the new Zack Snyder direction of like Batman and Batman versus Superman, where they were doing stuff, I think, just to be different from the Christian Bale version. And I'm like, yeah, but the Christian Bale version is closer to kind of what Batman it is sort of generally thought of as, and you guys are making these differences just to kind of differentiate it. It ends up kind of hurting yeah. it, which is yeah, a bummer. I feel like so. they should go back. They don't yeah. go back to the source enough or in this 2019, they went back to the source, but then they, as we've already stated, they just jammed everything in there to, we right. to a weird degree. They go to the source for like, for, for these storylines. But I think as far as Hellboy's character, they, 
just yeah. missed the mark. Right, like, right. He's, Let me tell you this. He's I've, such an empathetic guy in the comics, yes. and they just don't they don't hit that. I have been what watching. I've been watching the new. Uh, I'm almost done with it. The new um, Gendy Tartakovsky show, Primal, the new Ooh, animated series from the, the. The look of that is so cool. Super cool, you know. And I'm watching it, and and anytime I've read Hellboy comics, I've thought this could work so beautifully in animation, and it has Absolutely. it has worked, but especially to lean into the tone and the atmosphere in animation and simplify everything and simplify the characters and, you know, make everything very Mignola. Just that, that stark simplification of, an, of, a, of, a, of a tone. I feel like they could, they could do a Hellboy animated series, each, epi- each episode being a different adventure, and I think that could really blow people away. 100%. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, I've been dreaming of something like that for yeah. so long. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. Yeah. This sounds like fucking Mars yeah, Attacks. It yeah. It's, it's so the troll, the troll market. That's where all the Mars, the Mars aliens go. <laughs> <laughs> market troubles. Uh, Mars Attacks is a movie that I think has a lot of great. I, I love it. I need to rewatch I, it because I think it's one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. Yeah. I think it's the only time that Tim Burton having CGI has ever been a yes. good thing. <laughs> he should like after that movie, they should have been like, okay, that's that's all. That's the that's the level of CGI you're allowed to use. <laughs> and you can't go any but I can make Helena Bottom Carter's head bigger. Don't Let do me that. do that. No, no. But I can. But what if what if there's a rap at the end? Uh, I don't know if you're the best one to handle Which that. Movie but has a rap um, okay. At the end? I never saw Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, it's not. Well, I'm not opposed to having a, you know, Adam's Family, the live action yeah. Adam's Family had a hilarious rap at the end. Ninja Turtles, great rap at the end. <laughs> uh, Tim Burton's just not equipped to handle the rap at the end in the credits. Uh, he just is not, it's not his. Forte, yeah. you know, he's yeah, he, he didn't have a, a, a figure like Prince come in and be like, I'll handle the pop music, baby. Don't worry about it. That like, that's been great. Yeah. Yeah. You need he, Danny Elfman or Tim Burton needs to have a Prince type person to be like, no, 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 I'll, I'll handle it. Don't do <laughs> yeah. it. I got it. I guess, you know, it's like sad people. Directors get to a certain point and nobody tells them no. And then, you know, and then just weird decisions get made that yeah. could have been avoided. <laughs> Like, it sounds bad. It sounds yeah. like, oh, you want to put limitations on these directors and their visions? And it's like, yeah, maybe, because <laughs> when you're starting, you have so many limitations, and most of them are, like, budgetary and shit, but, yeah. um, you know, I, and so many people excel within those limitations. No, I, get, I, I wish every great director could have somebody in their away. corner that they trust so well that they, that person can just go, no, this this thing, it's dumb. Yep. Like, you're doing yep. something dumb. Yep. <laughs> Yep, I would love that. Uh, we, you know, like you're saying, Kate, we don't want movies made by committee, but we yeah. want to have, we don't want to give free reign to creative sometimes because sometimes it just it it blows up out of proportion you know it goes yeah. too far to like you're 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 straying too far from what the original kind of idea is and yeah and, like what's the appeal of yeah. the thing in the first place yeah exactly yeah. This is classic Danny Elfman in Market Troubles. And again, going back to what we were saying earlier, I, I it's a great example of him scoring to the action yeah. in the film. A lot of horns, a lot of honks, 
A lot of bonks. And it, it's it's remind it's almost reminding me of Spider-Man yeah. and and it reminds and, me a lot know, of Batman the animated series. Very epic Batman. honks. Batman the animated series is Shirley Walker stuff, yeah. So you know, it's it's a, a score overall that certain things aren't jumping out to me. These these nice thematic elements aren't jumping out, and it's a bummer. But it's still yeah. good. Yeah, still good what yeah. I'm listening to. It was interesting to go back and rewatch this last night, having now seen and loved. Shape of Water, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Like first time I've rewatched Hellboy two in years, and also I've been loving Doug Jones as Saru in Star Trek Discovery, which is another oh, character. He's so good. He is f- heavily makeuped, and yet his acting in that is like beautiful. He's so good at, at shining through, and I feel that this, especially compared to the first Hellboy, where it was uh, David Hyde Pierce's voice. Yeah. Even if it was Doug Jones's physical performance, this you hear Doug's voice, and I feel like it, it's almost the beginning of of me seeing Doug Jones in projects, and I'm seeing more of Doug Jones and less of them yeah. just borrowing his body and his in yeah. his physical acting. You know, he makes so many uh, great, like very intentional choices with Abe, especially like his hand motions are all very liquid. It's yes. all very like fluid. He's kind of like swimming through the air when he's he's mm-hmm. like gesticulating about whatever uh i mean also like he has the in the movie he has this ability to like t- communicate with his hands <laughs> so he's like doing plenty of that but just like even when he's talking it's like yeah very intentional kind of like swishes <laughs> and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. uh but uh, there, it really works for the character it's really good now this feels uh like a nice emotional moment this is a big decision track 13 and it feels a little closer to what the score sounded like in the first Hellboy where you know when Hellboy is slowing down and talking to Liz and being like I wish I could do yeah. something about this or those kinds of quieter moments so it fits this, it's nice I if this is where they just kill oh no that wouldn't be this must be I like guess the last elemental but would be she's going with them right before the elemental like She's talking to Abe or something. I don't know what's happening right here. Just about well, her pregnancy. I don't pregnancy even know if it's Liz. I think it was the, uh, the princess. It's because it's right after the market. Oh, whoa, could whoa, be. Whoa, whoa. Uh, you know, we're not watching the movie, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> the last hey, elemental. The last elemental. A really cool section of the movie where Hellboy's throwing around a human baby, weird. a weird CG yeah. human baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, hand the baby off. <laughs> And also, totally why was the BPRD it, so yeah. bad that didn't listen to that woman? They just carted her away without her baby. <laughs> yeah, no, my you baby's come in this us. car. <laughs> Hellboy's like, don't worry. I'll involve your baby in this fight. Don't worry. Like, uh, shit. Now my baby's two stories up in the air. He was better off in the car. That baby, uh, yeah. Don't shake that baby too much, Hellboy. <laughs> shaking him around, dropping him with, catching him with the tail. Little yo-yo. Yeah, it's it's that's what's fun about these movies, man. Is I don't think uh, I think Guillermo is such a like like a classic filmmaker almost that he's not 
I don't think of fast-paced action cuts mm -hmm. when I think about Guillermo del Toro, and this sequence could have used that to to heighten that that the the the, the thing of. Okay, there's a woman, she has a baby in a car seat in her car, but she got out of the car and then BPRD or whoever like, we got to go move, move, move because this thing's attacking the street. And it could have cut back and forth between that, her being like, my baby's in the car and, and people looking back being like, we can't, it's, it's, it's about to hit. And then Hellboy being like, okay, I got like, just all of that could have happened. Yeah. But Guillermo's not that kind of director. He's very classical and you know, and even when he does, anytime Hellboy in these movies uh, does like a jumping around action bit, and if it's not CG, but if it's on like wires and stuff, I love yeah. it. It's so cheesy. It's so great. Yeah. It's kind of floaty. Like, you can just Whoa. see how hard it is for Ron Pullman to move <laughs> yeah. in yeah. that costume. It's like, this looks tough for yeah. you. Yeah. But it's like, there is a charm to it. Like the whole movie is still so charming. Right, right. Yeah. So what I want This is... The practical right now, shit is this just music great. is like yeah, probably the exactly. slowest the movie gets, right? It's mm -hmm. like, oh, enjoy this mm -hmm. snow, these blossoms from this dead creature. <laughs> so this must be after it's been shot yeah, in the head. I is this so. what we're saying? I think so yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And people have said about that part of the movie that it's very Miyazaki, and obviously Guillermo del Toro is influenced by Miyazaki films and stuff. So like, yeah. That was, a, that was a cool part. Yeah, yeah we I talked about like that part. part a lot when we were just talking about the film. This definitely probably had the, the coolest effect on anybody. Like, even if the movie's like, uh, it's okay, you come away going like, that seems memorable, the end of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I think that, I think when people like say, oh, it was like Miyazaki, I think you're right. I don't like when people come to the table thinking like he ripped him off. I'm like, no, like, he just is inspired by his work, and he's like, "Well, I'd like to bring that to a live action." No, film. yeah, I think it's a pretty positive. Mm -hmm. I think it's a pretty like universal thing of like mourning nature, the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mourning like mm -hmm. how things used to be before humanity fucked it up. Mm -hmm. And I guess you know, and for Hellboy, like it's like a melancholy, sweet version of like, like not everything is the troll market. Like not all of the magical world is like this like weird. Ugly, um, yeah. ugly thing. Yeah, it's like some of it is beautiful, even like it's powerful, but it's beautiful, and it's just like sad for him to actually make the decision to like side with yeah. humanity on the yeah. level. Why hasn't Dark Horse Comics put out like Hellboy Three by Guillermo del Toro Guillermo and put del that del in Toro comic form? Mignola that would Mignola crush. And the reason what the reason why Mignola Whoa. said no, and I, I respect. I mean, I do, it would be great to see his script and see what he wanted to do. But I think yeah. Mignola very yeah. much was like, I need, he was like, I want to keep them separate. Like, you have your Hellboy, mm -hmm. I have mine, the original. And then, because mm -hmm. he's just like, the movie version is Guillermo's Hellboy. So I don't want it to invade on my. Sure, sure. And, and he probably also for a while was like really, really putting all of his eggs in the, in the 2019 Hellboy basket. You know, he was probably like, nope, look, we can't look past. We got to look forward. This is the yeah. new film. I don't want to invite comparison. I don't want to put out a comic book and have people go, this is what it should have been and kind of crap over what the, what the new one was. But um, I, I say Mignola doesn't have yeah. to draw it. You know, it's bring in comic book artists to, 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 to copy the, the Ron Perlman look alike you know to, to to do that world i think they should do it it would just be it would, oh, it it would definitely sell, sell so much i man. think yeah. Mignola's the only wall that's yeah. stopping it from happening because he wrote wow. his 
I mean, half of the. Well, I was just gonna say. I mean. Oh, sorry. The, the storyline. I don't know if you've read it, Hector, called the island. I don't think you've gotten to it. Is mm-hmm. Mignola has straight up no, said I don't that think like so. he wrote that in order to make sure his readers did not confuse the 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 cinematic world, the movie, to his and the bigger yeah. world. Yeah. He was like, I had to hurry and get this out so that yeah. my readers would know. I get it. What were you gonna say, Kate? Um, oh no! Oh no! You were saying it's you, okay. <laughs> you started with you started with half of the. Oh man! Oh oh! I guess uh, just talking about people's love for the movie and want to see Del Toro's third version of it, whatever whatever format it comes out in, like on like the Facebook fan groups or like whatever Instagram like fan pages and shit. Um, Half of the stuff there is like props from these movies. Like mm-hmm. most, I was like, so many of the like toys and cosplay are inspired by Del Toro's yeah. movies. I think right. people like they love them so much. Right. There's certainly a demand for some version of the third script in yeah. some form or another. I say, look, but yeah, I, put, yeah, put I it out in a comic book. It. Put it out in like a paperback collection, and at the end of it, or even single issues, but at the end of each issue, at the end of each uh, part of like a, a, a comic book adaptation of a potential third movie script, you put a little catalog of like, here's how else you can read more Hellboy comics. For people yeah. who've never gotten into it, if you're just joining us because you love the movies and you've never read a Hellboy comic and you're curious, oh, what would the third movie have been? Check it out. In the back, here's the Hellboy omnibuses that came out. Here's the reading order. Here's the publishing order. Here's hardcovers you could get. Here's, you know, a Comixology <laughs> link. Go to Comixology. The first one's on us. Like something to potentially get more people into the world. Um, I would use it as a gateway drug. Yeah. Man, it'd be great. Well, I think we should get yeah. you in a room with Mike Mignola and convince him. <laughs> oh boy, that would be cool. No, I would. He's that would be awesome. Nice, so that, that would be awesome. I'd like briefly, to. I'd like so. to pick his brain. Oh, if that. Yeah, yeah. pick his brain about. He stuff. was so nice was, when when we met just him. Like an old, curmudgeonly nice man. We weren't trying to convince him of anything, though. I, I bet. I bet it would be like a light switch. I bet it would be like, "Hey, you should do this." Yeah, I be bet like, he would be like, <laughs> "Click." Yeah. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> yeah, he was extremely nice to him. Yeah. We were just like, "Hey, we love your book. All right, mm-hmm. see you later." And then he was like, "Wait, I'll sign more stuff for you." Like, I think yeah. he liked that we weren't asking yeah, him yeah, yeah. too much. I think that the the best thing would be to talk to somebody at Dark Horse Publishing yeah. that's already there yeah. to be like, yeah. "Hey, there's a there, you know, I'm sure you're aware there's a fan, uh, uh, you know, uh, outcry for this project. What if you guys did it and tried to pitch Mike on it and go, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make it really cool and we're gonna really highlight the comics and let the readers know that they're separate and you know i don't know that's that would be that would be an interesting like i'd love to talk to mike mcnola but w- with what we're talking about to get the third yeah. movie script i need to talk to somebody yeah. at dark horse <laughs> yeah <laughs> to really get, get the like skinny. john Arcudi, like the guy who does all the bprds or something like yeah. that be yeah. like hey how did you <laughs> how did you convince uh mm-hmm. our, i don't know i wonder if uh have we ever read that in like any kind of like forwards or anything dave where like who reached out to John Arcudi I or did John Arcudi reach out to Boo, them? Mr. Or? Boo, Scott Alley and, and Mignola. I feel like they reached out oh, to yeah. I mean, I, Scott I, Alley, I definitely, I don't have no off the top of my head, but I could definitely. That that would make sense. That would make sense. I can't imagine somebody like soliciting them yeah. and then being receptive. It just seems like some such a one man driven thing totally. for so long. And you I know? mean, he stays on mm-hmm, for so long, mm-hmm. even if there is like, even if there's a credited one writer, which 
is pretty rare, even on those BPRDs. It seems like Mignola's credited as well. Yeah. I feel like they're going through him no matter what. Uh, and I think there's good yeah. cases mm-hmm. of that. Uh, and then there's other ones where I'm like, I feel bad for this artist because he's having to like, every little thing is Mignola's like, do this, do this. And it's like, yes, you're keeping it in line, but I'm like, mm-hmm. that seems like a tough thing to sometimes do is like, <laughs> yeah, I have to appease somebody on every little thing so but again i'm not in the room with Mm -hmm. him so i don't know the relationship and we've heard without knowing we've heard that like guy davis eventually left and he's come out and said that he did not enjoy working with mignola and scott alley he straight up said that it was toxic and we don't even know the details of that so which could have been it at some point you know what i mean like he it doesn't mean he the the, the creators haven't changed that i could see people being toxic with their creations that are, and then eventually changing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like coming around and being like, Oh, I'm being an asshole. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. It's like, you probably are demanding and possessive of this thing that like, if you were Mignola, you created this thing. It's very much a reflection of you. And I guess everything that comes out based on it, you wanted to mm-hmm. ideally have a certain level of control. If not control, then a fat ass load <laughs> <Yeah>. of money. <laughs> Um, you know, if one or the other, I like this doorway thing. I, I did really like that moment where they're on the, like, they're in the, like, Irish countryside and that giant statue emerges. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, and I kind of talked cool. about this on the, um, the episode where we talked about the movie itself, but that was the most, like, really Mignola-feeling thing in the movie, even, like, down to, like, the shape of the doorway. It's, like, this tall like within the statue itself Mm -hmm. with this like broken face i was like wow that just feels like his own his drawings uh come to life totally and then the shape of this door is like this big vertical door with like sort of a star out of the top of it star shape out of the top of it i was like that is just feels exactly like a cover he would draw it just seems it was it's such a shape that i associate with him yeah but would Um, he set that scene during the day or at night because in the movie it was at daytime. Yeah, which Probably is interesting. At night, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what. Yeah, I wonder why to do that. Maybe they shot it and it was just too pretty. <laughs> they were like, this <laughs> this countryside's too nice to look at, and we have to have to include it. Yeah, this track doorway is working for me too. It's it's yeah. very Hellboy and really cool and and uh, subtle and stuff. It's good. Yeah. The doorway into other scores. You're liking this. <laughs> Man, if I had to pick a favorite Danny Elfman score, uh, might be Men in Black because his Spider-Mans are so great and his Batman as well. But I, I'm just like not as in love with those versions of those characters as I was when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. I, I've, I've grown to kind of prefer other versions of Batman and other versions of Spider-Man. You know what is a Danny Elfman score I fucking love is his Hulk movie. I, I love The Angley Hulk, 2003. Yeah. Yo. Really pretty. It's a great score. He's bringing like the desert feeling and like, that's a great score. And, I had to uh, go back and watch yeah. that movie again. I watched it a few months ago. It I'm, to me holds I up. I really enjoy it. I gotta watch it. it. It's insane. I think it's because I know. Because I, I just think him me and too. His, Angley too. and his writer took such a fun swing with it. They really were like, okay, mm-hmm. we know these movies are popular right now. 
superhero movies and there were the he was like well then mm-hmm. let's go big mm-hmm. with this <laughs> and let's have and <laughs> i gotta think like yeah. it felt like an ang lee movie to me more than a hulk movie to mm-hmm. me but i i it's but that's not a horrible thing it's like ang lee makes beautiful movies i, I think the actions um yeah i think I, the I action have to go back and watch pieces, it. particularly in the desert are some of the they're so fun yeah <laughs> I just remember electricity. I, love that I remember sequence. there's a yeah. lot of electricity at the That's end. That's <laughs> Nick Nolte. He turns into electricity. It's insane. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, that movie, when it came out in 03, two years later, Batman Begins came out. And I remember being like, huh, you know what? I'm going to go to bat for the Hulk movie and claim that, maybe if I'm wrong, oh well, but claim that it, there's a lot of similarities to Batman Begins. It takes 40 minutes before you see the title hero yeah. character emerge. It's, yeah. a, it's an exploration of the main characters like you know, pathos and like, and, and trauma. And, uh, and there's also not a definitive sort of, uh, villain for that, the, for that character in that first movie, right? In the, in the Angley Hulk movie, he fights his father, but then his father takes on the powers of the absorbing man. And then earlier he fights these big hulked out dogs. These are not classic Hulk villains. Not that he has a whole bunch, but when Marvel Studios did the Incredible Hulk five years later, they definitely put Abomination in there. They definitely teased, you know, Tim Blake Nelson getting goop in his brain to be like, I'll be the leader. Like these are more classic. And Batman Begins didn't do the Joker. It didn't do, it did like Ra's al Ghul, who's an iconic villain, but then also Scarecrow. Like it was saving the big boys, Two-Face and Joker and stuff and Catwoman for later. And, um, I think it, 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 the Hulk movie was way ahead of its time. I think it was too smart for that era of superhero movies, comic book movies, where it's the early 2000s and we had Spider-Man and X-Men and, you know, and, and Fantastic Four and Daredevil and all these like mid-tier, you know, they weren't really trying to push anything. And Hulk comes along and Ang Lee really goes into the history of the character and he's like, well, I want to bring that element about how his father killed his mother and he's been traumatized since he was an infant. And I'm like, whoa, right. in the first Hulk movie, you're going to do that? <laughs> yeah. Bruce Banner's origin you're gonna spend so much time with that that's something you would see in a you know again christopher nolan did that or all these years later they're trying to 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 do that kind of stuff with the sort of serious superhero um properties you know the the either the ones that are rated r or the ones that are if they're not marvel or dc or whatever if they're outside of that um it feels like that's what they would do now it feels like that's what they would do for like I don't know, like, it's tough. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think, has space for that, but also it kind of doesn't. Maybe some of the TV shows, like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's just it's it's just a really interesting movie. And again, that last third act is bonkers comic book craziness where the Hulk is leaping miles at a time. And that that is straight yeah. out of the comic books. And and yeah. when that movie when that movie came out, my buddy Keller, he was saying like like he had like a like a relative or something like an older guy in the family be like that doesn't make any sense it's like you're watching the hulk the hulk is not real you know are we gonna talk about gamma rays (laughs) but danny elfman i think did a really good um he did a great combination of a classic comic booky score he was coming right off of the first spider-man i'm sure they put him on that because they went spider-man that's the type of movie we want this to be that's what universal was saying but angley was like that's not what i gave you dog that's just, this is not yeah. that movie but sure danny elfman can come on and he did it and he pushed it with great like themes and very like comic booky but then he does all that really interesting desert stuff where where the hulk is just out in the desert thinking about his trauma as an infant like it's yeah. it, it, it's a movie that definitely deserves a re 
revisit. And, I'm gonna um, watch it. Yeah. I'm gonna watch that and uh, oh, yeah. Monos if you go, today. <laughs> if you can find I got homework Monos, now. May, you might have to lie and say yeah, that they're Christmas go. movies. I don't know. I don't know, Kate. I don't know if you're gonna be able to, to swing I'll that like, in yes, your household. There's definitely a Christmas tree around here somewhere. <laughs> Sorry. Dude, it's gonna be that all just all all month, all month. So this is in the army We're chamber. This has to be end. when. Yeah, when Hellboy and and uh, uh, Kraus and Liz and Abe go to confront the bad guys, and this whole sequence is awesome. It's very fun. Um, and uh, really fun, really fun fight stuff, and the big CG robots killing each other and then coming back to life. And yeah. Kraus gets in one and turns it blue because he's <laughs> a good guy. <laughs> right. I loved that. Different. I was like, yeah, that's that totally works. Now we can follow it. Yeah. yeah. It's very. Very fun. And yeah, a lot of creative ways to like smash them up. More gears, plenty of gears. Mm -hmm. But it all happened because Dave made, or not Dave, I said Dave, I guess I'm the dummy. Uh, Abe made a a dumb choice to just be like, yeah, save her. I just barely know her. For how, yeah, for how they build him up to be so, like, intellectual. I guess that's the thing is, like, when he gets drunk, he, like, reveals all of this, like, emotional yeah. <laughs> sadness that he has. So he's like, I want what they have. Not, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. I'm opposed it to an, an intellectual yeah. making an emotional, um, an emotional air. Because I, uh, I think it's just his love is so rushed in the movie that it was like, well, oh, you're kind of being dumb. Yeah. He just knows how immediately it's going <laughs> to yeah. fuck over the world. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not even like a maybe. It's like, oh, this is going to happen. Because one of like, my right favorite intellectual now. beings making like an emotional error is Iron Man in Civil War. I'm like, you're, you are every choice in the third act. You're is so emotionally based to the point where we're all like, you're an idiot. But we understand it. <laughs> yeah. 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 He killed my mom. Yeah. Punch, punch, punch. Yeah. Like... Yeah, which which is another funny thing too because Star Lord yeah. did the same dumb thing against up against Thanos in Avengers Infinity War and people were mad at him and it's like but Star Lord is not smart like Iron Man. He's been right. dumb this entire he works time. On his gut every <laughs> He's been time. a dumb emotional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, they shouldn't have been mad at him. That should it's what we expected from him. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he's a kid. He's a kid at heart, that, that big dummy. <laughs> I am excited to download this later. And also, Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Eddie Arnold. And Can't Smile Without You by Barry Manilow. And all the other <laughs> songs featured in this movie and attach it to this score. I love your It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then save that to the hard drive and then save it to your iPhone. I got it. I got it. If you all ever want the complete, complete Hellboy 1 and 2 scores, <laughs> let me know. I'll deliver I it to you it. on a drive. <laughs> I'll have a PA swing by. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you get to, like, scores well, that have, like, fun. a long sequence. Like, they'll have those, like, one minute quick, like, sometimes mm-hmm. on scores... The ones that are like only a minute long are like my favorite tracks, and I'm like, I wish this would go on longer. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the piano. Me too. Uh, the movie The Piano has a track on it that I absolutely love. It's like the shortest track in the whole thing. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. Well, it's those little emotional yeah. moments, you know? I, down, I downloaded the score to, um, not a great movie, but a movie that I like things about, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, that movie. And uh, it's the one where Emma Stone's character, Gwen Stacy, dies. And when yeah. she, that, whole, that whole little piece, I, I love that little moment. And there's a, there's a piece of music that is, that is called uh, For the Rest of My Life or to the, to, for the, you know, because earlier in the film, they promised each other that they'll be together for the rest of their lives sort of a thing. So she's, she's yeah. dying and it's this little emotional, you know, great piece of music by Hans Zimmer and his uh, whole mess of collaborators that he had on that movie. Yeah. And it's like the shortest track maybe, but it's the one I keep, um, Cause you know, you know, you know, your boy's got a playlist called themes that I like to grab like one, you know, one highlight theme from each of my movie soundtracks and put it all in one playlist so that I can listen to it and just get the best of. So, you know, that's on there. You know that. Damn, dude. I want you to, I want to like pay for your Spotify just so you can make sound like playlists like that. I'll need to, yeah, I'll need need to pay a PA (laughs) again, somebody to go through Spotify and go off of my iPod, be like, just match the the tracks and compile the, you know, the playlists and everything. Yeah. That is such a fucking PA task. (laughs) If I ever heard what that made me, but I'll tell you what, if I was a PA and some crazy eccentric idiot hired me to do that I'd be like okay this is cool this is just organizing I mean, this is great because you're organizing something anyway but at least it's not like you know it's not like restaurants phone numbers it's yeah. something actually interesting <laughs> that sounds yeah. fucking great years ago do you guys remember when iTunes was like starting up you know uh, uh, Apple iTunes or whatever that people I remember hearing stories that people would hire people to go to their house and upload all their CDs from their physical wow. media collection onto their iTunes and put the album artwork and organize everything. Like people would hire people to come wow. and do that for them. I do that to relax. Yeah. Like I, 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 uh, start, I have all of these CDs and I just start, I like slowly do it. I'll take like a stack of five at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Stan, friend of the podcast, he had, he had to move. He couldn't take everything with him immediately. So I'm like holding, wow. his, I'm protecting his CDs for him. So it's like I'm putting these buttons, like I'm putting all these things on here too. Awesome, so I have awesome, like awesome. everything. It's just fun. It's fun to do. <laughs> it is. It really scratches like organization. I don't have a ton of that itch, mm-hmm. by the way, of like an organization itch, but like it's so easily doable that it like is pr- the perfect thing for that. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm talking over the finale. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't think the cool thing about this finale is this I think is the piece of music of them sort of the falling action right yeah. they come out of the cave and they're t- and they and they they quit on second thought I think I'll hold on to this and they're walking away and they're talking about retiring and then Liz is like twins I'm having twins which is great you know a little Hellboy 2 moment so I don't think it's kicked in with the this is it this is the ending and then I think it's gonna go into like the end credits theme I think I think if if we get one it's a little yeah, probably. yeah I feel like that's what this is Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, I can Screenplay imagine. by Guillermo del Toro. Story by Guillermo del Toro and Mike Mignola. <laughs> I think that's what that is. Probably. I think you're right. I can visualize it perfectly. If the finale, if this piece of music, and I think it might because it's six minutes, is almost like a medley that has like some of Danny Elfman's themes for the whole film, like the bad guys theme and the love theme or whatever, I'll usually 
pick these end credits songs as like my little highlight theme that I put on my playlist, yes. you know, because I'm like, Perfect. well, this is this is all encompassing. This has got it. This it's has got some what of it all is. of it. Yeah. Hey, don't play Doolittle right now, Mark David Christensen. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. More by Danny Elfman. Oh, wow. Oh, he, did he oh, also? Oh, he did MIB International? That's cool. With Chris <laughs> Bacon? Chris Bacon sounds like a fake name. Didn't, didn't see that one. <laughs> well, his middle name is Peter, so it's definitely fake. Didn't see any of these More by Danny Elfman recommendations. Doolittle, Men in Black International, and Dumbo. I saw Men in Black International, and I liked it more than Men in Black oh, 2 that's... or 3. Wow. But obviously okay. not as much as the first one. I need to rewatch it, but I liked it. I thought it was fine. I'll give it a watch. You know, again, I'm not precious I about I like the actors. Yeah, me too. And Kumail Nanjiani plays a little alien guy in it. Super oh, cute. that's fine. Super, fine. you know, it's great. Oh, I think also Rebecca Ferguson might be in it from the Mission Impossible films. Oh, cool. Oh, I got Mark David Christensen in. Now I he's like, in. I yeah, now he's like Ferguson. scratching his beard. Can't wait to see Dune yep, is one yep, of the yep. reasons. <laughs> one of the reasons I'm excited for Dune. Oh, uh, yeah. Perfect casting for Dune. Yeah. And she is the standout actor in Dr. Oh, Sleep. My that. God. She's a villain, right? Holy cannoli. Whoa. Wowie. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> if you haven't seen Dr. Sleep, rewatch The Shining, Jack Nicholson, then watch Dr. This Sleep. Is, this, is the this is the this same is, track. I love you accused me. This of is, again. Continuing? <laughs> I'm like, did I you put it. on Doolittle, you son of a bitch? This is the medley. Kate, this is the medley. This might be a piece of troll market. You know, yeah, this, this might be a, a yeah. This is kooky as hell, dude. I feel like I'm yeah. playing Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't don't forget that barrel. Get the bananas. Get yeah. Diddy out of there. Get Diddy out I of there. Like I, I should be hearing the banana sound right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, this feels. Yeah. If this was in the market, I don't remember at all. This is a fucking departure from. I don't. Yeah. Hang on, scroll up a sec, Mark Dave. Scroll what up. What minute are we on here? This is minute four of the six-minute track. This I this has got to be troll like market. It, it, it has feels to be. Like it, was it has to be buried in the actual track. Yes, yes. Yeah. Or maybe it's a piece of troll market that wasn't in the earlier score, but is in the film. You know, little... I feel like I remember somebody turning something, but I can't remember oh, yeah. if it's a spit or if it's a some sort of musical contraption. Could have been that. I just watched the game. Okay, too. let's see what else. Let's see what what is this? What is this? Is this some of like the elf? Elven themes. Oh, this is so weird. This is very like Eastern influenced for yeah. for Hellboy, you know. Feels very different from the rest of the stuff. I'm grooving to it. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I guess it makes sense because Hellboy, the character in the comics, he goes to Asia a lot and and fights a bunch of creatures. I'm sure, but I always think of Hellboy is more like European for some reason, very Germanic. Very, you know, because yeah. he's punching yeah. Nazis and stuff, man. He, he, he hates them. Thank goodness. He doesn't like <laughs> Germans either. <laughs> Germans make him uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like a, this. Yeah. What is this like? a What's that instrument? Like a Mizmar? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a like an Egyptian wow. flute. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty wild ending for that. that that's yeah. Danny Elfman was like, I know people are going to be leaving the theater. Here. Put this in the end I just, credits. I Here you go. Sitting around, I want it somewhere. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Interesting. Well, that's so funny. Score. Fifth. I straight up yeah, thought I was really like, Dave, what are you me. doing? Yeah, <laughs> stop playing Doolittle. 
59 minutes, 20 tracks. I do like the first score more, but you know, gotta, gotta get it. Gotta have it. Gotta yeah, attach it to the first one. Uh, uh, it was solid. Oh, are you just going to look up Danny Elfman yeah, to see like, what his best. Let's look at his discography. Yeah, you know, this man's worth $50 million. Oh my goodness. Oops, Jack's lament is his most popular single track. Wow. That wow. Especially right now in the season. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Oh, he did the Grinch. The yeah, new the animated, one. Yeah. Oh. I gotta like check that out. Goodwill Hunting. Never knew that. Very nice. Very nice. The Circle. Never Fifty did. Shades. Great. Shades darker. <laughs> <laughs> the Girl on the Train. That's so funny. Oh, did, yeah, and Flubber. Gray. Alice Through the Looking Glass. Goosebumps. Wow. I thought that first Goosebumps movie was surprisingly a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I we did to... Midnight Run. I was just talking about Midnight Run. <laughs> Cool. Very Oz fun. the Great and Powerful. I just bought Frankenweenie in 3D Blu-ray, which I'm excited Aww. about. And I also... So cute. Oh, Real Steel. That's fun. Wolfman. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that's good. great. Oh, boy. That's great. The Kingdom. I like that movie. I need to rewatch it. I liked it, but I think it might not hold up. But I remember seeing it in 2000, a little after 07 when it came out and feeling like, you know, Peter Berg really captured how... There is, there are good people in places like this and in, in, par, in parts of the world that are trying, but they're struggling on, against different regimes or whatever. I thought, I thought it wasn't super sort of propaganda patriotic, uh, you know, for the U S because the story is that it's a, it's a group of um, people on like a, um, what is it? A CIA, uh, some, uh, it's like an army camp that they're in Saudi Arabia which is what the kingdom is. And then there's like a bombing that happens, but because it's technical on American soil, they send over FBI agents to investigate it. Like Jamie Foxx and I think Jennifer Garner and maybe um, Jason Bateman and they go to investigate it. But then when they're there, like they're trying to do the investigation sort of outside the army base and they can't get anything done. And Saudi Arabia and officials give them like a cop, like a, like a cop to help them. And he's like trying to help them, but also they like, there's a bunch of like constrictions to what he can do and everything. So maybe it doesn't hold up so well. I need to rewatch it, but Look at, look at that early Danny Elfman stuff. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Dark look at man. That. Black beauty. Edward Scissorhands, another classic. Yeah. He says. The Peewees. Peewees, of course. Peewees, Big Adventure. Did he not do Big Top Peewee? Oh, wow. Or well, maybe Big he did. Big Top and it's wasn't, just, wasn't uh, Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Right? Wow. That's crazy. Proof of life. Yeah. I would play a, I'm telling play you, a man. track from Hulk, but I just don't know what which one it is. I, oh, I'll tell you which one. What do you want? What do you want? Go to Hulk. I'll tell you what it one. is. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. What do you want to hear? What do you want to hear? Just something that stands out to you that you like from it. Maybe try Bruce's Memories. Try that one. Yeah, track four. No, that's not doing it for me. Scroll down a little bit. <laughs> Scroll down. <laughs> I want that desert stuff, man. Maybe, maybe, uh, the, maybe, maybe Hulk's freedom. All right. Try that one. Try it. Okay. Nope. Try, uh, uh, the, uh, God, try, try gentle giant. Try that one. It feels like what, why, why isn't it sticking out? I should know what it is. There's one that just starts and it's the, straight up like lake battle because the, it's, that's at the end. Is it? Mm. 
it's okay if we can't find it. Try. Try. Uh, did we do? Shoot. Did we do the the truth revealed? No. Two down. Man, I'm bummed. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna try like battle just to try it. Yeah, this is when he's fighting Nick Nolte. And Nick Nolte's like, I'm oh, gonna absorb yeah. a cloud. That's right. That's at the end. That's, <laughs> That's at the end. Right. It's a weird movie. I'm You're telling you. That. That's that cloud. Uh, I love that. It's good. <laughs> right? Spooky. <laughs> it is spooky, man. It's spooky. Yeah, this is similar to main titles. It's great. I'm scared of my own anger. Yeah, one of these one of these tracks just goes to like a desert thing, and there's there's like vocals that are like hi <laughs> when Hulk's like in the desert looking at flowers. Love it's it. cool. Yeah, it's and then the flower amazing. turns into like you know a petri dish, and it's all like it's all connected. Science sells. <laughs> I love this. I have to watch. Yeah, Hulk out. This is a good track. I love that that theme. Yeah, and then it goes to kind of classic. Almost like Spider Man. -y. All right, give us some monos. All right, I want. I'm hoping Monkeys. this is the track I'm thinking. Mensarejo. Oh, spooky. It's like a 40 second track, man. Yeah, I love that. Those little whistles, yeah. little flutes. It's like something's about to happen. This is tense. It's a tense movie. It's I. It, the only thing that beat it out for me for my my ranking of that year was Uncut Gems. Two tense ones, Dave. Just sitting there chugging coffee watching Uncut yeah, Gems. Chugging coffee watching. Mark David, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? You love Uncut Gems. What do you think about this? Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe hasn't done the Fantastic Four yet. Mm -hmm. The Fantastic Four features a character named The Thing, who's a big orange rock monster from New York, Jewish guy has a catchphrase. What do you think about Adam Sandler as the thing? Could he do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Come on. I don't want my thing to have the, a dumb Hubie Halloween voice. <laughs> it's, uh, it's clobbering oh time. Shoobity-doobity-doo. Shoobity-doo. This is too scary. Yeah, this is scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, I'll turn it off. <laughs> I just put my pants. Mark uh, David. I do want to oh share... With you, my favorite Uncut Gems <laughs> okay. score, uh, track. Call, the track is called... Well, I've already shit my pants. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. The track ahead. is called uh, Fuck nothing You, Nothing worse Howard. could happen. <laughs> it's pretty good. Is there a track on here called uh, I, I Just Came? Is there that one? <laughs> <laughs> Can I hear that one? <laughs> well, let's see. Um, this is pretty cool. Not finding it. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I win. This is great. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. This, I love it. I love it. I think if, yeah, I love this movie. Love it so much. Oh. So stressful, man. It is a very stressful. stressful. So many, so many decisions in this movie. I'm like, I would never be in this position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just the whole time watching it. Nope, I would not do that. I would have gone home a long time ago. Let's see how this plays out. I would not have done that. Let's see how this plays out. Nope, wouldn't have done that. Okay, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> uh, very true. He makes a lot of scary. He just fuck. continually does the wrong thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he almost. Yeah. That's why I think that. Almost. That's why I love that movie is that I think it continually keeps giving you hope that it will work out. Versus right, yeah. other movies, I think it's the reverse. <laughs> They're like, oh, this is not going to work out. We got to get out of here. And that one, you're like, no. Well, let's hold on. Stay. This might yeah. work out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, this movie does set itself up to be like, this is the movie where Adam Sandler's character is going to finally learn his lesson. (laughs) Turns out, no. It's not what happened. He learns a hard lesson. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. But that is it. I just wanted to share those because I love those. So fun to talk about soundtracks with you guys. I love them. I watched a movie. I'm not going to look up the, the, the track for it, but I watched a movie that Paul Dano directed just this weekend Mm. called Wildlife. And there's a part to the score that I really love in that. And I don't cool. know if it's person scored it or if it's he lifted it from another source because I haven't taken the time to find, discover or figure out what it is. But there's, a good one. there's some elements in that that I really love. That's awesome. But yeah. Cool. Um, Hell yeah. Awesome. Hector, thanks for spending another big chunk of your day with us listening <laughs> to us, a complete score of a movie. Happy to. It was only a 50 minute. That's true. It wasn't, wasn't the that complete long. score. Wasn't the complete, complete, you got to go to YouTube for that shit. You got to yeah. <laughs> find all those playlists. Oh, um, yeah. Hey, I so appreciate you guys having me on for the soundtracks, for the scores. Um, I feel like a, an, an era of my life is over now. That's it. Aww. No more, no more talking about Guillermo del yeah. Toro Hellboy movie scores. Man, you only did two of them. That's it. That's it, guys. That's, That's all he made. <laughs> yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll try to get you in that room, though, with Dark, uh, with dark Horse and yeah. Mignola, so you can try to get that. We'll, like, rappel into Del Toro's uh, mansion and, like, steal the script or something. I think go. it'll happen. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. Yeah. It'll be cool. It's too tempting of a of a what-if to, 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 to leave there on the tape, you know? Yeah. It'll be 50 years from now when all of our heroes will have passed away. No more Guillermo, no more Mike Mignola, that somebody will find the transcript on Guillermo Del Toro's desk or something and... <laughs> They'll they'll put it out. It'll be cool. They'll so. see big dollar signs in their eyes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having yeah, me. It was so much fun. Thank you. Um, where can our listeners um, um, hear more from you? Your social media. Sure. And you find me. Else? Find me on the internet at Hector is funny on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check out my newer YouTube channel called Heroes Reforged, where me and my friends are. Doing different things. We're we're watching The Mandalorian right now. We're reading a comic book called Invincible, which is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. And we've got more stuff planned uh, next year. So, you know, check that stuff out. Thank you so much. Awesome. Great. That's wonderful. And listeners, let us know your thoughts on this bonus episode of the score for Hellboy to the Golden Army. You can email us at ah crap a Hellboy podcast at gmail.com. Those emails, though, remind you, they will be responded to in the next season in 2021 of season five of the podcast. But you can also follow us and keep us uh, keep update with us on social media at ah crap a Hellboy podcast on Instagram, ah crap Hellboy Twitter, as well as please go on to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review. That starts with the word boom, and we'll read your your review right on the show. Praise you for your <laughs> review. We call those boom reviews. So please give us a, a boom review that will bring more listeners to the show. But thank you um, for tuning into this special bonus episode of the of the show. Uh, thank you again, Hector, for spending the time with us. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, but all I can say is to you out there, thank you for listening and. <laughs> 
We love you. Yeah! Yeah! Christmas, everyone. Alan Blake Bachelor here, the co-creator and head writer of One Million Musicals. Gasp! What's that beneath your tree? Why, it's a shiny new One Million Musicals Christmas special just for you. The South Pole Santa Claus. For the South Pole Santa Claus is there for you when you a star-studded cast that includes Broadway's Ron Bomer, Kaylin Fu, Cody Jameson Strand, Sandra Joseph, John Pinto Jr., Teddy Trice, and starring Corey Jones as the South Pole Santa Claus. Coming December 21st, subscribe to One Million Musicals on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.